Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the greatest generation. Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. How you doing, Adam? Um, I'm congested, but luckily I've taken enough decongestants. Like, I basically took a key party amount of decongestants. <laughs> I just sort of reached into a fishbowl and grabbed a bunch. Yeah, it's one of those shows for me. Fuck. Getting, I've got my yearly head cold. Are you zippity doodah decongestant guy or are you sleepy time decongestant guy? I don't know what you mean by that. I think I know what you mean. Because but... like some decongestants like kind of knock you. Like I have a, I have, I'm on a, I'm on a daily anti-anxiety pill, but I also have a prescription for a as needed anti-anxiety pill. If I'm like. Which one of those is the zippity doodah anti-anxiety pill and which one is the, uh. Sleepy time anxiety pill. Well, here's the thing. The the one that is as needed, like if I need to supplement because uh-huh. I'm having a really hard day or whatever, that pill is just a decongestant, I think, that is like the kind that is... It makes oh, it's you, like a Benadryl? It makes you drowsy, right? Yeah. Wow. You don't need a prescription for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't like taking them because they make me... They really make me dopey, but... Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's what you're going to hear for me today. <laughs> Uh-oh, it's a dopey Adam episode. <laughs> but you're testing negative for the big one, so that's good. Every day. Yeah, just burning COVID tests. Mm-hmm. Just throwing them directly into the trash. Are you also taking ivermectin, though, just to be sure? Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking that rectally, though. <laughs> I'm also uh, drinking a lot of green juice, man. Oh, yeah. Um, this was this was a, a big part of our tour this year was going and getting something that wasn't just aggressively wasn't unhealthy. <laughs> Even if they had a beige juice at the juice store, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting beige juice. I was getting green juice. I was getting uh, a lot of like beet salads and yeah. things like that for lunch. Like I, I think I went one leg of the tour eating some form of beet product every single day. You were consuming a lot of beat poetry. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Ginsburg was with me in spirit. Yeah. And in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. How's that green juice treating you? That's good. I hear conflicting things. I hear some people say they're just uh, they're just you know sweetums and and they're full of calories and it's no better than drinking a soda. And then I hear other people saying it's like one of the best things for you. Well, my theory is if it tastes. A little bit bad. It's good for you. <laughs> and the one I'm sipping on right now tastes a little bit bad. So mm. I feel like it's it's good. <laughs> Therefore, it must be good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Anything good has to not be enjoyable, right? Right. At least a little that's, bit. That's how life works, my friend. It's not fair. I'm trying yeah, to speed no. my way through this head cold as quickly as possible. And even if green juice doesn't work, it makes me feel like I'm doing something. I want to feel like I'm doing something. Yeah, man. You got a you got a wife out of town. We were planning on having a big hang. We were gonna we were gonna get together today and get lunch yeah. and then record. In person. It sucks. It sucks. I can't have chicken wings with my friend. Instead <sighs> I gotta be alone in my office doing Star Trek podcasting. Weak as hell. Drinking green juice instead of eating chicken wings. I wish, I wish we got negative support in the Max Fun Drive, and we could have just quit. 
<laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I I am not fit for general population, man. This yeah. is it. This is my only my only career forever is this. <laughs> I can't go back. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about how how much how much this has spoiled us for real life with our buddy Adam Ragusia, who also feels like he couldn't go back. Yeah. Adam Ragusia differently famous because he's of the YouTube variety of fame. Yeah. Whole different kind. Yeah. Different. Keep my face out of there. <laughs> hey Goose, stop doing video shows with us. <laughs> Let's keep it audio only, all right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, Having talked to him a little bit about some of the some of the da- I mean obviously upsides makes his own schedule makes a lot better money yeah the downsides woof <laughs> yeah yeah that's tough man yeah. love the goose a whole lot it was great hanging out with him in real life yeah I don't want I I don't wish I don't wish the downsides on anyone though no it sucks yeah yeah maybe our experience can be a warning to others mm-hmm. I mean I think uh, I think. By comparison, our experience, while we are way less famous than him, has had way fewer downsides also. I mean, to many podcasters, being the hosts of a hit Star Trek podcast might be a worst case scenario for podcast fame, right? (laughs) Wow, what a... You want to get famous any other way, don't you? I told you I had a bit before we started recording today. (laughs) And I, I almost just want to pull the pod car over, despite that beautiful transition you just proposed there, to tell you the bit. You know what? An editor can resequence that around, okay. yeah, and and make it seamless. It'll be like it never happened. It'll be like our pod car never left the road. I was gonna, I was just gonna propose to you, if we ever do, I do, Ben. If we ever do finish being Star Trek podcasters. What do you say about opening up a German restaurant with me called Worst Case Scenario? Because sausages have casings. That is a uh, that is a genau idea, <laughs> Ben. Genau. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> They're. Uh, I think I've probably told the story on the show, and if I have, you can cut it out. But when I was going to college and I was taking German, the best reaction you could get from the teaching assistant, who was just a total fucking smoke show, <laughs> was when she would turn to you and say, Genau, <laughs> with her approval of your German. Wow. And uh, I always lived for the Genau back in those days. Wow. Hot German teacher. Yeah. You never think of it. Genau is like, uh, genau, if you don't know German, might sound like good or great or whatever, but it actually means like precisely or exactly. Like, oh, perfect. Wow. Well, I would love nothing more than to uh, to sell snossages with you when we're done with all this Star Trek nonsense. But for right now, let's get into the episode we came to talk about today, Adam. It's season three, episode 25. Worst case scenario. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. I thought this was going to be one of those episodes where BLT is just alone. Mm. Or yeah. like in a in a strange universe where she's trying to figure stuff out. And kind of a long, long period passes before the reveal. But like in the beginning, BLT is kind of skulking around a corridor and it seems like she's alone. That moment is so crucial. It's like one of the great 
choices they made in yeah. this episode is why does she look a little bit lost? Because without that moment, I don't think that you pick up on what's going on for yeah. a long time. And yeah. with it, it is the first little taste of something feeling off and it and it primes you to notice everything else that might be a little bit off. Why do I get the feeling that you're testing me? It's a really great choice, for sure. She's wandering in the hall and Chakotay bumps into her. Hey, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. butter And immediately starts talking about what a dickhole Tuvok is. And, you know, like Janeway's no peach herself. There's a lot of people on the non-Makewee side of this crew that uh, really rub me the wrong way. And I'm kind of wondering how you feel about it, BLT. Has Chakotay always been a close talker? He's nice, bit of a close talker. Or is this just what you do physically when it's kind of a soda voce? Yeah, getting a little conspiratorial. Yeah, like I think both of those things are at play here physically. Yeah. When Chakotay kind of cozies up into her nook. <laughs> is this Chakute? Is that what this is? I also thought the V's were riding a little lower than usual this app. Have the V's always been this deep on the uniforms? I don't know. This is what a episode that begins with things being a little off kind of makes me think. Like, I'm just looking at details going like, has it always been like that? Right, right. I wrote in my notes, like, why do I feel like I'm in season one before yeah. anything was revealed? And I, like, right. nothing, no character from season one had showed up. Nothing about anything had happened that would reveal that to me. But somehow they captured that. Something about the je ne sais quoi of the episode is is giving season one energy. So maybe the Vs are a little bit lower. Maybe they're, yeah. maybe they got season one Vs. I love the Chicote pivot of, like, out in the corridor... We can talk about how shitty it is to work with Tuvok on any given day, but as soon as the door is closed to the turbo lift, he's like, God, I could just kill Tuvok, couldn't you? (laughs) Wouldn't it be fucking great? (laughs) Like, this goes beyond workplace gossip. I feel like shit talking at the workplace, super common. Yeah. God, Daryl in accounting, totally blowing up my spot on the expense reports, makes it so difficult. Does not ever turn into, couldn't you just throw Daryl off the roof of this building? (laughs) (laughs) The guy's a nightmare. Well, we have, uh, you know, Friday happy hour up on the roof deck. What if you just bumped him? (laughs) (laughs) And that's how this goes, because Chakotay is like, boy, Tuvok, kind of grinding my gears. And then, hey, want to do a mutiny? Want to do a mutiny? Right now? (laughs) Yeah. Boy, did you get on an interesting turbo lift, BLT. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because the way he talks to her doesn't exactly feel the way Chakotay talks to BLT. And, you know, you would think if you were going to plan a mutiny, you might include the chief engineer, Maquis, in your plan. Right. Because like Crimson Tide, you want your weps. We got to have weps. He's the key. You want your engineer. You want yeah. your, your cob. You want all your characters to be on your side. Get all the department chiefs. Yeah. Ben, do you think the bridge is the penthouse of the ship in a turbo lift sense? Like, I bet a lot of crew people want to hit the button for the bridge, but that doesn't mean the turbo lift is going to take you there. It's got a key yeah. <laughs> next to the button. You just, you take off your comm badge and sort of hold it to the thing, but that never works. Right. Yeah. Then you got to go back out into the lobby and be like, I'm sorry, the (laughs) NFC doesn't seem to be working. 
Yeah. You got to be that guy. Ugh. Which is the lobby of the ship in this comparison? Transporter hmm. room? Neelix's Shuttle bay? Galley? No. I guess transporter room, kind of. Yeah. It's got a check-in desk. Yeah. In this scene, Chakotay is so much fun being Arch. Yeah. yeah. But I couldn't help but think like, God, man, you blow your chance to have bathtub sex with Janeway and this is where you go with it? <laughs> All of a sudden you want the big chair again? You fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it drove them crazy. It really did. So Janeway and Paris are going away on a shuttle trip to make contact with another species. Classic mistake. Yeah. Nothing and good happens on a shuttle trip. She is throwing, I mean, part of what makes this feel like it's season one is she's like, uh, first time for everything, Chakotay, you're in charge of the ship. Right. There is some dialogue that suggests a when this was made right sort of thing and tuvok is sort of getting left to babysit like <laughs> yeah like you're in charge technically but i am going to keep a close eye on you and tell the captain how you did when she gets back is sort of the energy he's giving <laughs> under the circumstances i believe my time will be better spent assisting you in your effort to justify the trust the captain has placed in you ensign kim hasn't banged either of the delaney sisters at this point that's yeah. how you really know they're, they're still walking around perfectly normally. He has no rings on his clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> so no sooner have uh, Paris and Janeway gone to warp than Chicote sort of triggers his code where there's a pre-established, have you started calibrating the something something uh-huh. that establishes that all the Starfleets are locked in their rooms and then they're licking shots at Tuvok. Ensign Kim is... Uh, hunkered down behind his control panel, trying to ultimo ombre the situation. It's great that he has that modesty wall uh, wrapped around his station, right? <laughs> yeah. For block and phaser fire. It's like when we go on tour, we want a, we want a black curtain hung in front of the table that we sit at. In case one of us wears shorts, right, which exactly. has yet to happen. No, but I mean, it's happened to you in, in other scenarios. And so we just try to hedge against it. Yeah. Good call. Chakotay fires first. I love this. I love, and I love the lead up here too. Like the camera angles are uncomfortable and unusual. Yeah. Like everything is working in concert to set up how bizarre and surprising this moment is. And when the shots start getting fired, like the, the lighting changes and it's really dark. Like Chakotay is like only rim lit in this scene. Yeah. He took a good shower before uh, the lights got set up here. Yeah. Ensign Kim catches one and the camera swishes over and it was BLT that shot him. What a great moment for Ensign Kim also. Yeah. yeah. Went, went down swinging. He um, did that you're never going to take me alive thing and then gets shot for it. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Chakotay refers to BLT as an ensign. Oh, and that's another hint, isn't it? Yeah. So That's uh, another and- hint that something is askew. Yeah, so they head off the bridge. Um, That's like any video game, right? Like when you begin, you have zero things in your pack. You have zero yeah. experience points. She's uh, she's going to have to do a lot of uh, herb gathering and like <laughs> killing animals in the forest to kind of get her, her XP up. <laughs> she goes straight to the holodeck to <laughs> to do her phaser fight training. Yeah, her, her warf workouts, really. <laughs> yeah. BLT feels bad about shooting Kim. Yeah. Which she should. 
he reassures her, well, you just stunned him, so he's fine. I kind of wish he, he had been like, you know, killing your first man is never easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> I guess, like, I wonder if they thought about that and they were like, no, like, people will... It, it's too far. Yeah, it, it breaks it, the spell instantly. It's a bridge too far if, yeah. if he says that. They get in a in some hallway combat on their way. They go to deck two, which if it were you or me, we would have taken the stairs. Right. Yeah. You know, but they're not, none of, none of these people wear fitness trackers. So they're like right. not even, they're not even fighting for those steps. No. No, they get into a hallway phaser fight again and they get coverage from behind by Seska. Seska. She a real bad bitch. Up a jar and crewman with a Cardassian physiology. On a dance floor. She wouldn't do something like this. She's back, baby. She's got such a massive weapon. I love this. This is a BFG right here. Yeah, she really does. She went for the full-size phaser. Yeah. They go into Neelix's galley, and uh, everybody there is, like, hunkered down with weapons behind some, you know, piled-up furniture. Neelix pretty quickly throws in with the insurrectionists. This is a real Jarlin turn by him, right? Yeah, it really is. I I felt like Chakotay saying, well, we're going to need a cook. Should have just gotten all the eye rolls from everyone. Like, ah, new boss, same as the old boss. We got to eat this shit still. Very fun moment. Yeah. <laughs> Neelix sees the writing on the wall, though. He yeah. wants to live. Yeah, he he chooses to live. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to get that latinum. Put your latinum where your mouth is. Bye. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm gonna head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books. They send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? 
Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Notably, Kess is not an insurrectionist. No. She's uh, one of the people that's rounded up in a cargo bay and uh, given given sort of a pitch from Chicote, like, we're not following the prime directive, we're not doing any Starfleet bullshit, we're getting home by any means necessary as fast as possible and not, not doing a bunch of bullshit Star Trek science on the way home. You listen to Chicote in the scene. I don't know about you, Ben, but I wanted to follow him. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like this episode is speaking directly to the critic of Voyager that's like, why is it always Monster of the Week? And why is Janeway always pulling the ship over to save an alien? It's pretty disparaging toward his own show, really. Yeah, yeah. It's an it's an anti-Star Trek Voyager case he's making in favor <laughs> of an all-gas, no-break strategy heading right. back home. Yeah. No more weird spirit quests for me. <laughs> Just going to keep the prize on the eyeball. <laughs> As this choice is being put to them, the simulation pauses and in walks Paris, and it is revealed that BLT has been playing a hollow game this entire time. We've been, we're 11 minutes into this episode. Put a sock on the door to the holodeck, BLT. Come yeah. on. I was like, damn, BLT is worse than Barkley. Like, this is a fucked up thing to, like, run a simulation of for yourself. You know, there's nothing wrong with a healthy fantasy life, as long as you don't let it take over. Before she reveals that it's not her simulation, it's something she found in a tax document folder on the computer. It's interesting, like, knowing what we know about how a holodeck is constructed, and by that I mean it's just, like, the box, and the world moves around the person inside it. Yeah. If you were to open up the door to someone else's holodeck program, you're always going to appear in proximity. Right. You're not going to open up the holodeck door and end up on the other side of the ship because you don't have room in the box for that. Everyone thought that it must have the ability to create like multiple instances of the simulation around multiple people, though, because... That makes sense. There are occasions where you're like looking for someone in a holodeck. From time to time. But yeah, I mean, he loves this idea. He's like, this sounds fun as hell. I want to... I kind of thought he was asking her to just rewind and like they would play it together. 
I thought so too. Like two player version of this is something that I really wanted, but you never get it. It doesn't have the two player co-op. Yeah. I mean, he even puts it in those terms. Like, I want to, like, throw popcorn at the screen and joke around about it with you. Do you like to get pie after you see a good movie? Yeah, I love to get pie after a movie. Yeah, that's not what this is. I wonder if they messed around with it being two-player as a project. Like, when you're writing this episode, how this episode changes if it is. Right, yeah. Instead, it is just him playing, and he is an ensign in a yellow shirt. This is like uh, when you play Super Mario Brothers with someone and you're like, yeah, let's do two player and BLT is Mario. And she's been playing for like two hours before she finally dies. Yeah. And you basically forget that you're Luigi and you're starting back at world one. Oh, no. <laughs> Uncool. Yeah. So Paris takes kind of a left turn when the mutiny breaks out and throws in with the loyal faction Crucially, he is not playing Paris in this. Paris yeah. is in-game Paris is on the shuttlecraft. He is unnamed ensign protagonist. Yeah. The same character that BLT was playing. And it's the uniform that's so interesting, right? Like the character is made to wear a gold uniform, and when BLT wore it, it didn't seem weird. But when Paris wears it, it does. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like I, he looks better in the yellow than like Data looked in the red uniform when, you know, like they occasionally will throw a character in a different color uniform than you're used to seeing them in. But uh, it does clash a little bit. I've got a weird theory about this, hmm. and that is a gold uniform kind of anonymizes the crew person in a way that a red one does not. I right. feel like I feel like a distinct person in a red uniform is more distinct than anyone wearing a gold uniform why is that well yeah like now that i think about it like the people in main cast that wear gold uniforms almost always have something else that is very distinct about them yeah jordy has the visor o'brien has big curly hair do you think that's just years and years of Star Trek training my eye to like <laughs> pay no mind to the anonymous security person? They're yeah. just there. That's just a back zip. Don't worry yeah. about him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Am I making any sense here? They wind up in the brig after the insurrection. So it's Paris and Harry Kim and a bunch of other extras in there. And Paris goes up to Tuvok and he's like, man, like we've been waiting in here for an hour. This game sucks. <laughs> Let's try and break out. <laughs> I was so curious about what the officers were up to in the first version of this. Now that we're finally with the officers, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> That's why we didn't see in BLT's version. They're not doing anything. Yeah. They're just doing that thing in video games where like the background character just like, yeah, lo- has, like- loops a movement. <laughs> Really, like a less than a second long loop. It's just, yeah. it's so boring. It's so boring. I'm, I'm tired of being in here. Yeah, Paris is ready to roll. He wants escape on the menu, and Tuvok is like chill. I mean, as Starfleet, it is our duty to both please that booty and look for weaknesses <laughs> in our captors' patterns. Pretty soon, everybody not Ensign Kim and Tuvok gets taken out of the brig and down to the cargo bay where we hear the the speech about how great it is going to be to work under Captain Chakotay's command. From a different angle. Like, all of these second versions get a different camera angle Yeah, in a way that that keeps things interesting. I think if I could 
make one directing tweak to this. I don't think I would have Seska pointing the rifle at them during this speech because I feel yeah. like it doesn't really feel like a choice that they're making, you know, of their own free will when, right. when they're like, yeah, so uh, I think we will throw in our lot with you guys. You seem great. Yeah, it doesn't seem by choice in that way for sure. No. So Tom Paris takes this opportunity to join Team Chakotay, and then we cut away to the mess hall later that day where he's talking about all of the different twists and turns of this game with BLT, and Neelix sidles up, and he's like, yeah, this game rules. I tried to, like, trick them by sending an encoded message to the captain. And it turns out this game is almost as popular as Suck Disc, but without (laughs) any of the brain cocaine aspects to it. Everyone here is playing it. It's fun. It's just good from its own construction. Yeah, but uh, BLT and Paris are a little bit scandalized that Neelix knows about it because it does have some inherent scandal to it. So, Well, I mean, everything is less cool if Neelix likes it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. By the time Neelix is onto it, it's already over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, Neelix is rolling up his cuffs. Fuck that. I'm rolling him back down. <laughs> Gotta go get all my suits pressed. Fuck this shit. Yeah, it's, it seems like a BLT maybe mentioned it to the doctor. The doctors played it. The doctor blabbed to Neelix. Yeah. Now Ensign Kim knows about it. Everybody knows about it. Paris decides to replay the program as a mutineer. And we don't start from the beginning this time when we're back in the program. We're a little further along. And we know this because of the costume change. Seska is wearing a giant hoop belt buckle. <laughs> like, it is enormous. Yeah. It's, I don't know uh, how you sit down with a belt buckle that big. Oh, man. If Seska sat down, the hoop belt buckle would, like, move up into her breasts and then, like, move them <laughs> away from the center, up and away from the center of her chest. <laughs> Do you think that maybe uh, she's still slightly Cardassian under all that? And, oh, and that's it would, fair. And, it, you know, like her, her lizardy body would react differently to it? Maybe. Yeah, I could see that. And Chakotay's wearing like a, a braided leather belt vest. Yeah. Like from 1997, for sure. I really liked how no mention is made of, of her true Cardassian identity yeah. in this. Do you think no one could wait to take off their Federation uniforms? Like, God, finally. <laughs> something breathable and with a giant belt buckle. Yeah. Get me into a deep V. Por favor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about this, right? Like if Chicote was captain, people would dress like Mayquis. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know, hipster back to the land movement people, I guess. Right. There'd be a lot of squeaking from their garments, though, you know? Mm, yeah. Not not very tactical if you need to sneak up on someone. Yeah. They're having engine problems on the ship, and they suspect a saboteur is somewhere when Janeway's shuttle approaches. There's a pretty fun situation where Janeway and Paris are on the shuttle talking to Chakotay and Paris on the ship. <laughs> yeah. I like that we've got two of them. Janeway is pretty ice cold with... Commander Chakotay, she is feeling very betrayed. She decides to take the fight to him. She starts licking shots at them from her Subaru Brat-class shuttle. That means it's tough. This Brat really packs a punch. It does. I was surprised. Yeah. But the Voyager packs a bigger punch. We can obliterate them in one shot. It doesn't take long for them to decide to lick a shot back, and the shuttle blows up, but 
Janeway and Paris Prime have beamed aboard the ship and are, are now sneaking around on board. Coffee, black. Coffee, black. Make it, make it, make it yourself. I always say Janeway was a fool. Seska's always like telling the captain of whatever ship she's on that they fucked up big time. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of her main quality. If it's not a Maj, it's a captain, and she wants to <laughs> stomp those nuts. I love Janeway's instincts here to just, as soon as she gets to the ship, blow open the cell doors and let the prisoners out. Yeah. Great strategy. <laughs> That's good stuff. So she gets in a phaser fight with Chakotay in the transporter room, and Paris and Paris point phasers at each other's heads. Is he going to shoot himself? Drop it. It's a real Will Thomas Riker situation here. Hmm. Must have been his lifelong ambition. It's less sexy than that, though. I can't believe I kissed you. And they both have the exact same length sideburns, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as, they're, as they uh, stand in this uh, one-man Mexican standoff, the simulation ends and Paris is very upset by this he says uh, computer like re resume and uh, the computer explains he got to the end there's nothing else in the adventure he chose he chose up to the end of your choose your own adventure yeah I mean that that standoff was the kill screen huh you imagine that's what happens with all these AAA titles these days. Like you, you pay the sixty bucks, you download it onto your console, you play through, and it's like not a complete game, and you have to buy fucking DLC to supplement it. DLC. <laughs> what does this game want? What does this game want? Pay more money. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer, man. Yeah, it sucks. And everyone's hooked. Like, that's the toughest part. Like, people were hooked on this game, and now that there's an end, ah, oh, it's so aggravating. He and uh, BLT are, like, trying to figure out where the author is so that they can ask at least what happens. And whoever made this game encrypted it really well. It's uh, they, they hid their tracks, and they did not sign their work. Yeah. So they're kind of running up against it all over the place. And, you know, they, they, like, try to get Neelix in on it. Like, hey, could you, like, ask around, see if anybody knows? Now that the cat's out of the bag, W slash R slash T, the existence of this game. I really am glad we didn't get the cutaway of Neelix being, quote, unquote, <laughs> discreet about asking around. Because, <laughs> you know, he doesn't have that gear. He's not shaved. He's not 420 friendly. No. Not discreet. <laughs> Least of all discreet. Yeah. In a McLaughlin group, Issue one. it kind of becomes the world's most awkward work meeting because the captain is like, I've heard about the insurrection tape. <laughs> you all keep playing. <laughs> I don't know why the time code for my shuttle exploding is the most played portion <laughs> of this hollow novel. She makes it in order. Like, no more discreetly asking around about it. We need to get to the bottom of who made this. And... uh Someone in the room steps forward. Yeah. How surprised were you that it was Tuvok? Very. Yeah. I mean, everybody is. Nobody knew that he had literary aspirations. I'm taking this off and I'm going. I'm stepping out. What the hell kind of way to act is that? I love this moment because everyone is lavishing praise on Tuvok. Oh, you're such a great writer. Oh, I love how you've brought these characters to life. Oh, you should, you should write more even. <laughs> you, you missed your calling, Tuvok. And he's like... It wasn't what I was trying to do at all. Like this is a this is a training exercise. Yeah, as humiliating as it is for me that you went into my tax documents folder, 
I was merely gaming a situation out, not <laughs> fantasizing about it for myself. And the timeline is so interesting. Like how you said, Ben, like those that first season Star Trek Voyager being rife with mutiny vibes. Yeah. Like that at the time, this seemed like a training exercise that could be pretty useful in season one, but it isn't anymore. And that's why Tuvok thought he had deleted it off of the computer. Right. He, he dragged it to the trash folder, but then he didn't right click and say empty trash. And some discussion about like, should we actually hard delete it? A lot of people have been playing this, like, you know, a third of the crew have, have dabbled in this. But Janeway actually winds up kind of coming down on the side of like, maybe there's something healthy about this. Like we should start creating art as a community because we are a community and we need to be like talking to each other about our situation. When they came for Tuvok's hollow novel, I said nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Is what Janeway's thinking, because if they start burning hollow books now, I mean, eventually they're going to burn hers and she needs that. She needs it to get off, Ben. She needs her Bronte-esque bodice rippers. Sure Leave them alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's clear at the end of this meeting that even Janeway has been playing this hollow novel herself. There's coffee in that hollow novel. It's become quite popular among the crew. Chakotay's like, so that suggests there are two Janeways in your world? (laughs) Does one of them have a bathtub in her quarters? (laughs) Two Janeways, one bathtub. Wow. Wow. That that is what Chakotay keeps in his tax document bindle for sure. (laughs) Whenever he needs a little uh, push over the top... Tuvok is not really interested in, like, finishing the story, as has been suggested, but mm-hmm. Paris is is really excited about this. He's he's the most thirsty to find out what the end of the story is going to be, so... To the extent that he volunteers to finish it himself. I yeah. hated this scene. Like, if this happened in front of me, I would be like, what, the decision's just been made? Like, he raised his hand first? I want to get in on this. Yeah. But Paris was first in, and he gets the job. Gets the job. And, you know, he's like doing that thing where you work on your screenplay in the coffee shop so everybody can see that you're working on your screenplay. Mm. And uh, Tuvok walks Performative up. screenplay person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tuvok walks up to him and is like, hey, listen, I did a bunch of probability studies about how this would probably go down to create the tactical scenario of the yeah. of the story. I think you should probably consider them as you work out the plot for the conclusion of the program. I mean, they are talking about, but they also aren't talking about just general difficulty settings of the thing, right? And this is something that anyone who plays video games is familiar with. I think Paris wants to make it fairly chaotic and difficult, but Tuvok wants to make it difficult in a different way. And this is also a literary comparison too, right? Tuvok did not style himself as a creative person in the McLaughlin group. Let me ask you something. Why would a review make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? He recognizes that his creation is based on character development. And it has to plausibly unfold. And Paris is like, no, fuck that. Let's just have like crazy twists and turns. Have it just be like a totally unconnected to reality adventure. I am a traveler of all of space and time. Paris is the guy who turns his car around in the race car game and and drives backwards. Right. I thought it was so interesting because after the McLaughlin group and the like revelation that this is just a program, the only stakes left in this episode are like, 
do they write an interesting game together? Like that McLaughlin group really took all the tension out of it because it's not like, ooh, if the captain finds out we're going to be in trouble energy anymore. It's just Mm -hmm. two guys kind of disagreeing on a creative pursuit (laughs) for a while and like, and like not wanting the peanut gallery to suggest stuff like BLT and Neelix and eventually the doctor keep, keep kind of coming in and like shoving, you know, unsolicited script advice into their face. All of, Chakotay's suggestions are like Patrick Stewart from Extras having to do with Janeway. Like, <laughs> If you're writing your own material, you're creating your own opportunities. And then Janeway comes out of a turbo lift and her uniform falls off, but she quickly <laughs> scrambles to pull it back on. But by then, <laughs> I've seen everything. <laughs> you had your chance, Chakotay. Yeah. BLT wants it to be hornier, too. She's got yeah. the... Similar energy to Chakotay. What it needs is a little heart, a little emotion. But I thought it was interesting. There's a certain confidence in writing here that the script kind of abandons any stakes for a long time before mm-hmm. they are reintroduced in a new way. Right. And nevertheless, it's pretty interesting. It kind of holds your attention, you know? I mean, I like the lull. I like the lull before the storm reforms. Yeah. Like, you think you're safe, and then you are very not yeah, so the the lunchroom is not a great place to have clear lines of creative communication. So they're going to go down and use the holodeck as a writer's room. Get a whiteboard in there, you know, order in some takeout, and just let the ideas flow. No bad ideas, guys. What what happens next in the script? I am a traveler of all of space and time. And when they get there, Tuvok and Paris encounter the EMH. They have to kick him out by depriving him of his freedom. Computer. Override the EMH program's autonomous controls and transfer him back to sickbay. Now, wait just a <laughs> This was fun. I thought it would have been great if the EMH had just showed back up with his hollow emitter like, hey, what do you think you're doing? That's If I had done that to you, that would be like hypo-spraying you unconscious and removing you. you w- would you be cool with that? W- would your human rights be unviolated by that? If you could only hear yourselves. Could Tuvok have ordered the doctor back to sickbay? Yeah, I'm not totally clear where the doc is in the uh, org chart, like what his imputed rank is. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, it makes for a funnier scene when when Tuvok does this, but it also asks more questions than it answers. There are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in, go down with the ship, and do it. Do it. They kind of put the holodeck into level creation mode, and... When they do this, it triggers something bad. Crucially, it is Tuvok that boots up the program Yeah. in this moment. And he's getting in there like excite bike style, putting ramps all over the place. But then the computer starts to go haywire. <laughs> up on the bridge, they notice this. There's a lot of yeah. things that are suddenly not right with the ship. Captain, we just lost power in both transporter rooms. Comms are down. Holodeck systems are scrambled. Ship is fucked up. And when we cut back down to the holodeck... Tuvok and Paris are locked up. They're locked up inside the brig, and on the other side is Hollow Seska, who <laughs> informs them that she has locked the door to the ship, like the main holodeck door has been locked, and the safety protocols are off for the program. She is inhabiting the role of like loyal to the Maqui Seska, not yeah. Seska the Cardassian triple agent that embedded with the Maquis, but 
Seska, the, the Maquis herself, who feels betrayed by Tuvok and found this program, left it as a booby trap where a holographic version of herself will toy with Tuvok until she kills him. It made me wonder, given Seska's relationship with Chakotay, if Chakotay actual had been in Paris's position here. <laughs> Sounds great. Would he have been safe? given Seska's feelings for him. Like, I wonder if that's an alt to this story that just became too complex. That kind of recalls that uh, Dreadnought episode a little bit, like trying to convince the Maquis bomb not to be... Yeah. Not to be an evil bomb anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so probably smart that they stuck with loyal Starfleets instead of uh, sprinkling Chicote or another Maquis in there. It's booby traps all the way down, though, Ben, right? like It really is, yeah. You can't turn off the program. You can't try to wedge open the door. The safeties uh, are off. Yeah. She wants to toy with them first, so she literally gives them like a count of 10 to start running. Picard wouldn't even know what to do with this much time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She finally gets down to like three before Tuvok and Paris beat feet. They make it to the transporter room where Janeway is and Paris is like, well, let's just, like, let's just play the game. Like, let's just kind of enjoy the rest of the scenario, see where it goes and like, you know, kill time. And Tuvok is like, you fucking idiot. The whole point of the rest of the game is for her to like torture and kill us. Like, I we love how his point is emphasized, though. Like, dialogue didn't make this clear to me, as clear to me as that scene in Six Bay did, where all of a sudden the doctor is, yeah. like, trying to kill them. She opens the door, vaporizes Janeway. She shoots Paris with her phaser set to Owie, and says, mm -hmm. like, you're not doing it right. You need to, you actually need to run. <laughs> she and uh, Chakotay are making out. That would have been confusing, right? If Chakotay actual had been in the, in the simulation and... Maquis Chakotay had been making out with her. Right. That would have been fun. And then Chicote is kind of turned on watching himself make out with Seska. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he pitches a tent in his pants camp. You can't control how you feel when you're <sighs> watching something like that. That's the mother of his child. Yeah. Or is she? <laughs> Can real ropes impregnate a hollow woman? <laughs> <laughs> These are the no. metaphysical questions that Star Trek never asks. Please have a seat on BioBed 1. It's all right, Doc. I'm telling you, I feel fine. You require treatment. 20 cc's nitric acid. Ah! A little proverbial salt in the wound. The visit to Six Bay with Paris's flesh wound turns out to be a huge mistake. I love how giant the hypo spray is that the doctor <laughs> uses here. It is comically large. Yeah, that's definitely something you notice in like slightly shittier video games is like the scale of things can be a little bit out of whack. And yeah. I kind of felt like this was an acknowledgement of that. Yeah, um, that was really fun. Up on the bridge in Starship Voyager, actual BLT and Kim are working really hard on trying to shut down the program, but the booby traps go both ways. They don't really have a way to get into the holodeck program and shut anything down, and it's like reacting to everything that they try. But Captain Janeway is optimistic that she can rewrite the story a little bit on the fly while it's playing. Yeah, which is a fun idea. Yeah. Because when we cut to the Jeffries tube in the hollow program, we get to see this in action, right? Paris and Tuvok run into a plasma fire behind a door. Yeah. And then a fire extinguisher just appears next to Paris, as if written to be there. You want the fire extinguisher? It's a huge relief. They get the plasma fire out, and they see a little panel on the wall that says, like, hey, we're trying to help you. But no sooner have they seen this than a door opens, and there it is, Chicote and, and a Dustbuster Club. 
Paris just kind of gestures skyward, like, how about some guns? <laughs> <laughs> you got a mechleth you yeah. can give me? I've been practicing with my girlfriend. I mean, <laughs> she doesn't want me to call her that, but. <laughs> There's a uh, pretty fun moment here where Paris and Tuvok are talking about what's really going on here and whether or not like being inside of Seska's tax documents is like some sort of weird form of gratification for her, like watching them die mm -hmm. would be like the ultimate pop. Yeah. The other thing that's weird about this is that Janeway is like watching this on TV, like it's a yeah. show. <laughs> like we've seen people watch past episodes of Star Trek many times. Never seen people watching the episode of Star Trek that we are watching during. <laughs> It's like being an editor and resequencing a clip and then rendering it out and then playing it back. <laughs> like, this is what Janeway is doing in writing the hollow novel as it's happening, and then she could watch it on the screen. Yeah. GNBLT have prepared down to engineering sort of as a writer's retreat so that they can insert little things into the story. And this is a bit squishy, but they kind of suggest that like they can make little changes without the program reacting badly, but big ones will cause the, the program will react by making things harder for Paris and Tuvok. Right. But it seems like as they add more and more things, the story begins to resist them more and more. Yeah. It's kind of Borgish in that way. Yeah. It's adapting. And resistance is futile. Back in the program's brig, Tuvok and Paris are brought in for execution. This seems like it's it's getting near the end of the game. If anybody wants to see, there's a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Chakotay is having second thoughts about being the executor of Tuvok and Paris. He's undergoing character change, which is what you look for in good fiction, you know? That's why they're called executioners and not executors, right? Because then, like... You're an executor. Oh, yeah. That yeah. means something different. That just means you're like in the control of an estate after somebody passes away. <laughs> yeah, and that's not what Seska wants Chakotay to do here. <laughs> <laughs> she, didn't, she doesn't leave behind a, uh, a piece of real estate and a bunch of assets that need to be distributed amongst her heirs. <laughs> yeah, and the climax of the episode is, is this moment, right? The program keeps rewriting itself faster and faster so that Paris and Tuvok always die. Yeah. There's yeah. no way to defend against this. Everything looks normal, and then suddenly Mario just up and dies on you. She kills Chakotay, but then bangers get dropped, and there's a Star Trek fight, and then Paris and Tuvok have guns, but then she sets auto-destruct in the holodeck, which I guess would kill them. Yeah. I mean, the bangers are so loud, she can sort of just roll off to the side and go, Computer, <laughs> set auto-destruct for 60 seconds. And also, while I'm down on the carpet, Listen to how my fingernails feel on the heavy nap. <laughs> now compare that to the way they sound when I rake a fingernail up the ridges on my nose. <laughs> this is like self-destruct chicken that Seska actually wins. And this is such a weird scene, right? Because Seska's like, Tuvok, you idiot. If you shoot me, I won't be able to turn off auto-destruct because right. I'll be dead. And Tuvok resigns himself to the idea that he has been outwitted by Seska, and both he and Paris hand over their weapons. Tuvok has the bigger of the two, which Seska gladly accepts. Yeah. But Tuvok has rigged it to self-destruct itself. She tries to become their executor. She becomes her <laughs> own executor. Wow. Way to turn a misspeak into something that works, Ben. <laughs> you are a great comedy partner. <laughs> 
making sure I get off. <laughs> yeah, man. It's all about me trying to make you laugh and you making sure I laugh first. <laughs> when this phaser rifle blows up in someone's hands, it looks really painful because we see this twice. We see it happen to Janeway and we see it happen to Seska in both times. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. The glow like traveling down the barrel of the gun into them doesn't look yeah. fun. No, no way. The button on the episode is uh, Officer's Dinner, where they're talking about how fun the game was. It's Voyager Cheers. Ben, yeah. we get an, another Cheers scene. <laughs> we do. A lot of just like bits about literary things. Deus yeah. Ex Machina bit, writer's block bit, literary collaboration bit. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. You're always doing bits, bits, bits. No matter what. Neelix wanting to tell his his own life story and everybody agreeing that his hollow novel would suck ass. Yeah. No one wants that, Neelix. Shut the fuck, fuck up. Get the fuck out of here, Neelix. Hey, Neelix, aren't you supposed to be serving us? This is like <laughs> when the waiter sits down at your table to go yeah. over the specials. Uh, looks like you're in Ensign Kim's seat. <laughs> he just went to the bathroom, Neelix. He didn't leave. You're supposed to fold his napkin and put it back for him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those Leola roots aren't going to boil themselves, Neelix. <laughs> Piece of shit. Did you like this episode of Star Trek Voyager, Adam? Yeah, I mean, it felt a lot like the previous episode to me. Just another interesting bottle, interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I really liked the sine wave of tension. Yeah. And how it worked this episode. That lull two-thirds of the way through, I thought, was really strategically placed. Because totally. I think you need the danger of the third act to feel as extreme as it is. And, and the only way to get there is, is having that lull first. That lull into that sense of security. Yeah, absolutely. I love the specter of Seska continuing to haunt them long after her untimely demise. Yeah, me too. I, how often are they going to keep bringing her back? Bring her back all the time, I say. Yeah, once a season at least. Keep it's calling great. Martha Hackett. Yeah, fun stuff. I thought very similarly about this episode. A fun bottle. Yeah. A nice, a nice bottle to visit. You know, I don't know much about episodes, but uh, I like a fun bottle, so that's often the one I'll bring to the dinner party. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, do you want to see if anyone brought a priority one message to the dinner party, Adam? Oh, yeah. I'm going to head over there now. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Whoa. And that message goes like this. The Modmin team at The Greatest Exo Cook want to give a shout out to an up-and-coming YouTube chef and FOD, Tristan Petrash. His lovely channel is filled with delicious Korean dishes that even Neelix couldn't mess up. Wow. If you try something fun from his channel, don't forget to share it at The Greatest Exo Cook with the hashtag Tristan Made Me Do It. Wow. I love Korean food. I'm going to check this out. Yeah, you and me both. That reminds me that we're due for yeah. a Korean food hang. We certainly are. Yeah, I definitely am getting better at making Korean food that tastes good to me. <laughs> it 
It's I, a little bit of a learning curve just because it's so far outside of my cultural milieu. My, my mom never taught me to make a Korean dish growing up. I admire your interest in that so much, but living in L.A. is like you're so rich with great Korean food everywhere that I, I would almost like not want to even attempt it. <laughs> well, uh, it's worth it's worth throwing out, throwing down yeah. on. Just get yourself some gochujang. Watch one of these uh, videos from Tristan P. Trash on YouTube. Yeah. I'm sure you're off to the races. Yeah. Our next Priority One message is of a personal nature, and it's from Joel, and it's to Ben and Adam, and it goes like this. Not much of a podcast guy. I've been listening to yours slowly, enjoying each app like a fine blood wine. <laughs> I started when you first aired, and I've only just completed TNG. But I've been looking forward to Voyager, so like Kelsey Grammer, it's time for me to jump ahead to the present. Is that a bad idea? Anyway, seemed like a great time to say thanks. Wow. Thank you, Joel. Jeez. Uh, Joel requested this message to be played during this episode, exactly. Wow. And Joel nailed it. Yeah, Joel shot from so far in the past that he actually nailed this app. The question remains, though, Ben, does Joel skip DS9 and go straight to Voyager, a, a series that Joel <laughs> clearly enjoys if they requested a P1 for this specific episode? Yeah. I would say, how dare you, Joel, <laughs> for even yeah. thinking about skipping The Greatest Generation DS9? And for that, I sentence you to listen to DS9 episodes <laughs> of The Greatest Generation <laughs> twice. Wow. Uh, hey, Joel. You have my permission to veto that sentence by Adam. Wow. Nobody needs to listen to our Deep Space Nine episodes. What the hell? I think I think those are some of our finest work. Oh, really? Jeez. Yeah. I thought they sucked. Cool. Your freelance marketing game is rearing its head. Man. Great advocate for your own work there. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben, our third and final priority one message is from Crocodile Pickles Dundee, and it is to Zando Calrissian. <laughs> the message goes like this: Happy 40th birthday from the land down under. Wow! Yet hopefully by this time they have released us from the island of convicts, and Roberta and I are with you in person to celebrate. I love you very much, my friend, and wish you all the best. Here's hoping for 40 years more. BNA, could you please have Kern apologize for forgetting Xander's <laughs> birthday? <laughs> I would apologize, except I've already forgotten what I am apologizing for. And that sort of highlights the cruelty of asking me to apologize for anything if I can't remember what I did wrong. The chances are good that my bad memory is the culprit, and that isn't my fault. It's the fault of one Dr. Bashir. It's a real Philip Baker Hall from Magnolia situation. <laughs> he does not remember his awful acts, and yet must be punished. <laughs> Magnolia is the only film that I Remember seeing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My dog hates Kern. Ripley is back there like, why are you making that voice? Oh, Rip. It's okay, pup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I guess we proved that the DS9 episodes do have one or two things worth listening for. So Right. Oh, yeah. You got to go back for Kern. That was a lot of fun. If you'd like to get a P1, go ahead and head over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to set it up. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And we really appreciate it. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Hey, Adam. Tap in. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! You kind of grazed my Shimoda earlier by your description of the button and everyone doing bits around the table. Yeah. Tom Paris's take of... I'm just glad you didn't come down with a case of writer's block. <laughs> this B-Dunk's take here is so exquisite because he drops that line and then he looks around the room... And it is the look of someone doing a bit and receiving no recognition for it. Yeah. And there's such a familiarity to that look because I know that look. I've had that look before. You've had mm-hmm. that look. I've seen it. But the like the the crestfallenness of him going, I did a funny thing and no one <laughs> appreciates me. <laughs> That's enough to earn my Shimoda this episode, Ben. What about you? I'm just going to give it to Seska. She seems like she's having the most fun in this episode. That For sure. Relishing getting the drop on Tuvok one last time energy. And uh, it was such a pleasure to to see one of the juiciest Star Trek villains there ever was one more yeah. time. And yeah. uh, I'm with you. I hope they keep bringing her back for uh, finding crazy sci-fi excuses to bring her back. Yeah. Every season, give us a Martha Hackett episode. I want her to be there waiting for them when they get back to Earth. <laughs> Turn it around, Chakotay. <laughs> We're not turning this pod car around, Ben. We are going ever forward. Yeah. Why don't you head to gach.biz slash game where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, while I tell you about the last episode of season three, which we have coming up next, Adam. Wow. It's season three, episode 26, Scorpion, part one. The inevitable finally happens as Voyager enters Borg space. However, they soon encounter a new threat in a species even more powerful and dangerous than the Borg? That's impossible. I I personally think the Borg will remain uh, impervious to death forever. (laughs) That should be how they're written. Yeah. Ben, I'm going to head over to the Game of Buttholes, the Will of the Caretaker, where our runabout is currently on square 44. Cool. Two squares ahead is a Coconono episode, and a few squares behind that is a Space Butthole. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm going to roll the die now. Did I win? Hardly. Ben, I've rolled a four. It jumps us over the Coco Nono and puts us on the doorstep hmm. of the space butthole, which means Scorpion will be a regular old episode for us. But a Scorpion Bowl episode for you, a man who still owes the folks a Coco mm. Nono. Yeah. Maybe it'll be that one. Maybe not. I'm fighting a head cold. I don't wanna I don't want a scorpion bowl right now. Okay, but that's like we're recording that next week. Don't you think you'd probably be over the cold by then? I don't know. I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> okay. I'm not tipping my scorpion bowl hand. Hmm. All right.
Don't show us what you have in your scorpion bull hand, but do show us your appreciation for the friends of DeSoto who support our show. I appreciate them very much, Ben. Friends of DeSoto who support the show know what to do. They go to MaximumFun.org slash join. That's true. We really appreciate everybody that supported us in the recent Max Fun Drive. Again, we're recording this during, so we don't know how many of you did, but I'm sure it's a lot, and that was great. We also really appreciate the great work of Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who runs our social media accounts at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. Those are really fun follows if you like what we do. He keeps it a lively and fun hang. We got one more live show coming up in Austin, Texas. That's right. I think that's the end of this week, right? That's uh, that's this Saturday as this episode is released? Saturday night in Austin, Texas. How cool is that? Yeah. We'll come to the stage fairly sleepy after having consumed a life-threatening amount of barbecue, but we promise it'll be a good show. You just got to squeeze it all in. Like, you got to squeeze as much Texas into your two days as you got. Uh-huh. Everything's bigger there, including my stomach. <laughs> Prepare your birdie now, Ben. Yeah, I'm going to start cross-training. Hey, we got to thank Nick Dittmore, who made our uh, show art and helps us out with all of our graphic stuff. Got to thank Wendy Pretty, the great producer of this program, and Adam Ragusea, who made the original Janeway song that is the theme music of The Greatest Generation Voyager. It takes a village of the Friends of DeSoto to make The Greatest Generation. It's true. With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where we encounter a new Star Trek podcast that's even more dangerous than this one. Impossible. All right, three, two, one. <laughs> All right, now the buttons are pressed. One. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.